Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Andrew. Hey, Goldberg! I bet if that talk was a cheese burger, you stop it. No, I agree. I would not be an acid physically. I have more of a podcast body. Clap! 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 It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey everybody, well I've got a trophy and a $200 gift card to P.F. Chang's that says otherwise. I'm Mike, Tommy and Kevin are not here because it is the final episode of the year. We did it folks, congratulations. 2021 in the books, moving on to 2022. We have the Quack Question of the Year nominees coming up. This was a very, very intense year for Quack Questions. We had a lot of good ones, so we had... Uh, 47 quack questions. That's the most we've ever had. Five more than 2016 when we had 42. So this was the most competitive quack question of the year, obviously. And I will tell you, as we go into these, you'll see. But uh, we, it was very, um, just both in quantity and quality. It was tough to get it down to five. A lot of judgment calls had to be made by myself. If you have any complaints about it. Uh, send me an email or just blame Kevin. We can always blame Kevin for anything like, but uh, yeah, these are all selected by me. You guys will obviously select the winners as we go on here, but we'll get into more details. First of all, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to anybody who's listened, who shared all our producers. We'll get to them at the end of the show because we love you guys, but thank you for listening. As I say every year, it is the most fun thing I do is the most satisfying thing I do from like a effort standpoint to the payoff. It's all because of the quack lights and kind of the community that has popped up around the pod. So I really do appreciate you guys. And thank you for all your messages and your tweets, your Facebook messages, your emails, your discord, everything like that. I really love going in there, interacting with everybody. And uh, I appreciate you guys being cordial and nice and Let's move on, though. Before we get into the quiet question, just a a recap of the year. Most listened year we've had on the pod by far. Obviously, Game Changers had a huge part in that. But also the most episodes we've ever done in one year, that's 51 episodes. So we basically averaged one a week. uh, But we had a, a good stretch there. We were where we were doing, too. So, you know, it all evens out in the end. As I mentioned, 47 quiet questions is the most we had. We had listens from 77 different countries. So that's a lot more than we ever expected when we first started this. 77 different different countries. Our most listened to episodes, the top three. Number three was our instant analysis on episode six of My Desk Game Changers. Our number two was our Vincent LaRusso episode, Vincent LaRusso who played Adam Banks. And number one was our instant analysis on game changers episode one so with that in mind let's move on 
to the main event here. The most prestigious award you can have in internet Mighty Ducks culture. That is the quiet question of the year. We have five nominees, an eclectic group of nominees we have this year. Starting off the nominees this year, it is Danny. Danny, this quiet question came on the very first episode of the year. So here's Danny's quiet question. So this one comes from Danny. Uh, formerly at DRisner12 on Twitter. I, I don't think he's still on Twitter. Uh, but he says, hey, guys, what happened to the original coach? We know he had a heart attack, but I don't think he died. I assumed he just couldn't coach anymore. Does he follow the duck season? Is he rooting for them? Does he ever coach again? Um, and then he says some nice stuff about, you know, thanks for doing the show. And he looks forward to our cameos on uh, my Ducks Game Changers. So... What happened to the original coach? Obviously, he had a heart attack, couldn't coach. We've we discussed him a little bit, um, just about how he had that heart attack, and you know he might have been involved in some nefarious stuff. But does he follow the duck season? Is is he rooting for him? Both good questions. So one thing I don't think we've talked about is: Do we think that this coach had any connection to any of the Ducks players? Like, was it someone's uncle, someone's dad? someone's yeah. older brother i mean that's a good point you would figure it would be uh just with the way youth sports works but that level this- with like crappy team you know you got to figure you got you know someone's dad is coaching the team or someone's mom um i never got the feeling that it was or maybe that kid's no longer in the team because if it was that's all they would talk about Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be interesting like we talk about peter mark's broken home maybe this is what broke it uh, yeah i mean he does seem um although he's gonna make fun of him yeah he makes fun of him but maybe it's because he hated him or something maybe he was a a mean parent or guardian or whatever it was um okay. yeah i'm trying to think people who were there who didn't maybe say much and just sort of like left it uh, we know Carp comes from a loving family. We've that's established. Um, you have Goldberg. You have obviously Charlie's dad not in the picture. Was it uh, was it Guy's dad, and that's why Connie is like all over him? Is like she feels sorry for him because he just lost his dad. Hmm. Maybe. I don't feel like Guy's dad would be that. Actually, let's assume it's actually another criminal, like a some kind of community servicing a la Bombay. Yeah. So it's a criminal of sorts. Um, and I guess they give guys who get DUIs or allow them to coach hockey. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be like, um, like a, a really like easy crime that he, this person did. Um, I think he coaches them, has a heart attack and like never thinks of them again until he reads like USA today the next year and says, what the fuck? Like these kids <laughs> that I coached are playing the Goodwill games are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he follows the duck season at all until maybe, you know, he reads a let's play hockey about the state title game and how this, this team came together and uh, made it to the championship. Um, so yeah, maybe he even misses that though. And, and doesn't see him until the junior goodwill game. So once he sees them in those junior goodwill games, is he rooting for them? Like the, 
does he, you know, turn the corner and be like, oh, those were my kids? Does he feel any sort of um, pride because he quote unquote coached them? I think he does eventually. Um, he sees, probably sees one of them like around town or something like that. Oh, I'm so proud of you kids, you know. Maybe he realizes how much of an ass he was, or maybe he relapses and he's in prison. <laughs> we know yeah. what Kevin would say. <laughs> yeah, I think he he sees them junior girl games, reads it in USA Today, uh, roots for them. Like he roots for because he roots for USA, but I don't think he's rooting for them necessarily because you know they were his kids. It certainly seemed like he he didn't want to be there, and the kids didn't want him there. Um, so. He had the old heart attack. Whether that's real or fake, he might have just faked the heart attack and said, I couldn't do it. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. So does he ever coach again? No. Doctor's orders. <laughs> oh, doctor's orders. Yeah. That would make sense. Like, if you had a heart attack coaching youth hockey, you probably there's probably something wrong with you. Also, it seems to have had some anger management issues, which, A, probably led him to, like, get this community service, and, B, have a heart attack coaching these kids so he can't put himself in, the, in that kind of scenario um yeah. so i think he never coaches again um and perhaps maybe he died shortly after the heart attack <laughs> yeah yeah like you said made doctor's orders maybe his doctor was just like hey maybe it's not a good idea if you're a coach like you can do your community service by you know picking up trash on the road or something like that what other community service would he do then um he can't really be a physical activity um volunteering at a soup kitchen maybe where you're just yeah I would like doing some maybe he works for a charity and does like administrative work or like administrative duty for a charity or something yeah uh, gotta make sure he can't steal anything though yeah that's a good point yeah so he, he'd have to be supervised but i i think there's uh organizations out there for him so uh to recap what happened to the original coach obviously we, we don't think he died right away either, um, but he, you know, lives a, a pretty bleak life there. Does he follow the Ducks season? No. Is he rooting for them? Kind of, but not really. Does he ever coach again? We say no. So uh, anything else on this other, other Ducks coach before we move on? No, but you got to wonder, like, and this is probably something just to ponder, um, how did this crappy coach get involved to begin with in terms of Hans pulling the strings? Mm. And so when Bombay got his DUI or whatever, did Hans like somehow uh, induce the heart attack, switch his pills around or something like that, get the coach opening? Something to think about, something we'll ask Kevin about. Yeah, no, that is a good point. Cause like, I think there's two ways you could go here. There's, yeah, this coach was just a coach and Hans sort of opened this opportunity for him. Or, you know, this was one of Hans's guys. He was the Gordon Bombay before Gordon Bombay and he just never um, got them going and he never had the whole change of heart. Um, so yeah, maybe this is something Hans does where he funnels select people to this team or to this league to coach um, so he can take advantage of them in some way. Uh, so yeah, a lot to think about with that. Yeah, we, we might have to revisit this one. Uh, the more we talk about it, the, the deeper we go. There you go. We move on to quite question number two. This comes from 
cap conjunction, aka Bberg19. So he changed his Discord name, but I'm giving Bberg19 credit uh, on the list there on the quiet question list, which you can find uh, in the show notes of this pod. A list of every single quiet question that's been asked, including who asked it and when, plus all the finalist information. But this one comes from Bberg19. He was previously the person who had asked the most quiet questions, who had not been a finalist for quiet question of the year. That now falls on to Cake Eater 92. But can Bberg19 win quiet question of the year with this question? This one comes from uh, Capped Conjunction. Um, and he says, in B2, we see Tibbles get struck in the head by a slap shot. He clearly responds with a disoriented answer, after which everyone laughs at him, and Miss McKay merely says, I think he'll be okay. As the documentary progresses, we see Tibbles suffer from mood swings. Uh, you think Hendrix is interested in backing a loser and hallucination. Doesn't even notice when the ducks stop wearing his uniforms. In the end, he's able to only communicate by creepily nodding across the campfire. Clearly, he's in bad shape. My question is, knowing what we know about concussions, does Tibbles have grounds for a class action lawsuit against the Junior Goodwill Games Committee, Bob Bay and Miss McKay? I think he does. <laughs> oh, my God. What a... Wow. Your first that's one like, on That's Discord. a good energy and some thought. That, that's a whole B-side split spin-off narrative going Yeah. Through. Good God. I love it. And also 100%. Yeah. Any concussions now, like, especially the, the, when the kids were those age, totally illegal. Yeah. <laughs> totally illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think Tibbles might have been a little ahead of his time here. I think if it happens now, he's got some grounds for some sort of lawsuit against uh, the Junior Goodwill Games or the US Committee or something. But uh, then, you know, concussions were funny. So, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was still the era where you'd see the birds circling the birds over. Right. around. And so, I love that. Concussions were funny back in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I, if he would have thought of it, it would have been made an interesting case. But I don't know if he would have won it at the time. I think now he does, though. I don't know. Tommy, your thoughts? So, uh, Hendrix is the big factor here. And so, you feel like... Hendricks would not let Tibbles file this lawsuit. They'd say, if you file this lawsuit, um, we're going to make your life hell. They'd probably um, just pay him off. And, you know, yeah, and so I think they would do away. some kind of settlement. Right. Um, I do think he has a case, but at the same time, he blackballs his career, and he just backed this winner. Um, <laughs> so I think there could be like a good law you know, spinoff as well, and he hires a Welsh lawyer. Oh, hello. <laughs> the Welsh this is where I slide in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no yeah 100 percent. he's um he he deserves a lot of money all right okay. I, I, do, I, do, I, I do want to get yes I, I agree that he he has the grounds for it but i think hendrix would would pay him some much money yeah. to keep him quiet all right let's move on quiet question of the year nominee number three comes from matthew blake this one was to Matt Doherty, the man who played Averman himself. This was during the run of Mighty Ducks Game Changers. We had Matt on, and Matthew asked this question. Is it good enough to win Quiet Question of the Year? Question. 
comes from Matthew Blake uh, via Facebook. Uh, Matthew asks, who would win in a one-game playoff at the beginning of D1 District 5 or the beginning of Game Changers Don't Bothers? That's a great question. Um, I would ask, uh, I think that should go to like ESPN stat cast analysis and 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 digest the uh the money ball of it all um, <laughs> we should ask michael lewis that question or, or whoever his sources are for uh how to do the uh analytics um i would uh i would say um you know what i would say it, neither team would score <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer like that's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah. Even after overtime, like um, the graphs would be like, okay, we gotta call it. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta call it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like at least the Ducks in District Five, they were all playing hockey. Like the don't yeah. bothers when they were first gathered. Many but of them. But also, if we were really being honest and we got out in the rink and that actually happened, and we put a time machine together and made this thing happen. Uh, the real uh, refs would be like, there is no, this is child endangerment. I can't have, <laughs> That's true. I can't have Goldberg with newspapers duct taped to his legs. Uh, that is a plastic football helmet that Carp has on. Um, <laughs> so on the pure level of, of like uh, that, and the fact that we all take our masks off because they want to see our faces on camera when, when we're on the rink. No way, man, you can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. I guess we would guess... get disqualified. Yeah. Right. So therefore, uh, the don't bothers would win by pure disqualification. We might as well have gotten the measles, just like that one team in Dutch. <laughs> the Panthers. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to quack question number four. Kravkek on the Discord. Kravkek, one question, one. Quite question of the year nominee. That's a high success rate. Can Kravkek win Quite question of the year with this question? This comes from Kravkek. He's the Colorado Avalanche fan in our Discord. So um, good luck to him, I guess. Uh, Kravkek asks, which original duck would be the most fun to have as a recurring character in season two? So... Uh, altered that question a bit from him again because it was for Adam F. Goldberg, but I like the idea, so let's go with it. Um, I have a couple thoughts, but uh, Tommy, do you want to take this one? Most fun, I think it kind of depends on the arc. Um, so one thing I've kind of thought about is when we had Steve Brill on like five years ago, he kind of gave like, oh, here's what all these characters are doing, mm -hmm. and he had mentioned Keenan owning like a sporting goods store or uh, Russ Tyler. And so that could be a fun thing where he's just kind of like almost like a used car salesman. Like he's always hawking things. And so, and he's like giving them their, um, all their uh, materials or, or their, uh, their kits, their equipment. And so that could be a lot of fun. Um, but you could also have Goldberg kind of being like the official snack supplier. Um, but I was actually kind of thinking you need to have um, one of the, the D1 ducks who never made it to D2 oh. and have them like wanting to destroy the ducks. Oh, like, have carp or, uh, or Terry, or even like little Tommy Duncan. And, I like, like Tommy that. and Tammy Duncan are like, we need to destroy the ducks. And I think that would be a lot of fun, especially if it's carp who is like so incredibly handsome. Now Aaron Schwartz. Yeah. 
and if like people no one recognizes him like he goes by like a different because he goes by like dave they call him like coach dave or, or something right, like that right and then someone just like looks at his driver's license like dave carp like hold on a second and like yeah. peter's also there as his henchman i love this yeah i was gonna go with like goldberg just for like the comedy aspect and the feel-good aspect but um, I'm hundred percent on board with Dave Carp being the opposing, like evil coach, basically the wolf stands in, uh, for season two, Peter Mark, his assistant. Yeah. I like this a lot. Yeah. You're like, who is that guy? And then the OGs who watched the original and sort of know what Aaron Schwartz looks like now understand for everyone else. It's a big reveal at the, you know, episode three, four, five, that it's Dave Carp, and, you know, he has all these deep-seated and he, uh, and he mentions issues. like ever since I went to fat camp, I uh, <laughs> I was never the same or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He's got these deep-seated issues of abandonment from Bombay when they cut him because they were going to the Junior Goodwill Games. Yeah, there's a lot there. I think that is the answer. Dave Carp uh, with Peter Marquez is an assist uh, for that. So great question, great answer. Uh, I would 100% watch that. I'm actually maybe more excited about that than our Charlie storyline. And if we do it where it's like, we we talk about recruiting and and that kind of thing, you know, Dave Carp could be like a social media exec who's like trying to scrub the ducks from the internet. And he's like, Mm. don't ever look at them. And he's like always banning their accounts, something like that, where he's like playing like a true villain. Um, And he comes around at the end. Um, But if if we if that is a storyline, you, know, you could write in Dave Carp in some capacity. Rounding out the year, our final quack question nominee. So this comes from Cats fan in Ohio, aka Michael DF eighty eight. So depending on you know the social media, the Discord, his name changes, but I I have combined them into one, much like B-Berg 19 and Cap Conjunction. This comes from Michael. He's now a back-to-back finalist, one of three people to become a back-to-back finalist, along there with Stevie Yanks, who actually won in 2018 and then was a finalist in 2019, and the legendary Air LeMaire, who had a three-year run as a runner-up from 2016 to 2018. But this question comes from now two-time Quiet Question finalist, Cats fan in Ohio. Uh, this comes from Cats Fan in Ohio on the Discord, I think. Yeah. Um, the question is, uh, I think the coach of Trinidad and Tobago is underrated. The, uh, that country has one ice rink. Considering how much of a disadvantage he is at, his team still scored multiple goals against the gold medal winners. Plus, they had Belafonte, who had some slick moves. Who, who would have taught him some of those things? Coach, thoughts? kind of a, 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 a more of a statement than a question I think but uh but we'll, we'll go with it yeah fair enough so we've talked a little bit about Trinidad and Tobago like how did they qualify we think it was sort of a regional type deal whether you had to had you know like kind of world cup like where you have certain number of slots for certain regions and they end up qualifying the question I like here is once they got there they did have a little bit of success. Belafonte seemed to be a legitimate player 
and they did score two goals against Team USA. But I guess you could argue also that, you know, Team USA was up. So, like, how much did they really care about these two goals? This was, like, garbage time points. So, I could see both sides. Yeah, and, like, at the same time, we know that Goldberg was still playing goalie. You know, That's true. And why was he still in the goal at that that point? Like that's the time to so to rest your starters, but you did not rest your starter and goalie. So I think it also goes to show that Bombay probably still had his starters in there. Yeah, like he wasn't just playing like you know Kenny Wu or whatever or some of the kind of like one trick ponies. It wasn't like Fulton and Kenny on the same line. Um, so I, I think there's that's a legitimate point. Um, I think in hockey, it's like you can be dominated and it's very difficult to get a quality shot. Um, and so it's clear that they got a couple. So were they actually making chances all game? And was that their strategy to kind of like, like, hey, we're actually going to try to play the same type of hockey that Team USA does? Clearly didn't work. But <laughs> what was the final score? Nine to two or something? Yeah, I think it was nine to two. It might have been nine to one. I'll, uh, I'll put it in the show notes. But um... yeah, nine to two and nine to one are going to be a little bit different, I suppose. Um, cause we did see them score the late goal. Um, but it was against Goldberg who you could argue is the goalie of the tournament. Yeah. I think the question on Trinidad and Tobago's coach and his ability really comes down to Belafonte. Like, is he like a generational player for Trinidad and Tobago? And he's just way better than everybody else. And the coach didn't do anything or did the coach teach him and develop him into um, this player from a guy who's pretty good to being a legitimate junior goodwill games player i think maybe generational player and they just wrote him to get to the goodwill games it's yeah like he's the one and i i would love to see belafonte in game changer season two in some capacity as a coach <laughs> of another team or like hey this is like you know this veteran nhl player you know who came from a, a different background yeah um so we're gonna talk to some of the writers and see if they can get belafonte in there yeah, that would be a deep cut to throw Belafonte. Maybe, maybe like a maybe a foreign exchange student situation, maybe with his son or something. I know we're going a, a lot oh. with, the, with the, our son or daughter. Yeah, try in. to get him on the team too. I would love Belafonte to join the Ducks. Belafonte's uh, daughter joins because he's like, I need to get the best coach in the world. Right. And that's Bombay. So we're going to move to Minnesota and you're going to play for the Minnesota Miracle Man. Right. Because he feels like his career was cut short based on where he lived. Like he feels like he could have been, you know, a star in the NHL, but he didn't have the coaching. He didn't have the ability. He sees this, um, sees this potential in his daughter and says, Hey, we got to move to where, you know, this is the land of hockey. We got to move. And then they join the Ducks. Belafonte's there. Um, I guess to go back to the question, I guess we're saying no, the Trinidad and Tobago coach is not, underrated it was really just belafonte carrying the squad i do want to do one thing and i shout out to the trinidad coach for how enthusiastic he was about the goal the game was over he he treated that like you treat you know the game winner so i think he was very much encouraging and so maybe belafonte did move to the u.s and have like a nice college career and so now he's settled maybe he's a lawyer he just moved to the law firm he's like i finally got the transfer i wanted to go now that Bombay is coaching again. So I like to think that um, the coach pushed him to maybe go to the U S for college and mm. Bill Alfonso played some college hockey. 
I, okay. I think the I think the only way we can uh, definitively answer the coach question is if they ever do one of these tournaments in Game Changers and Trinidad Tobago is there again and it's the same coach and he's oh. like sustained this level of success. Yeah, that's like really they the win every we can answer every Caribbean hockey tournament. They're winning it. Yeah, junior level. That's a great point. Like we have no reference about what happened. Is this like a one-time thing or is this, you know, sustained excellence? And this was just the start. Belfonte was just the start of some great players to come out of Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. Cause they very well could have just like won a really bad qualifying region. Yeah. And the, that's yeah, I'm not sure the, the tournament <laughs> Central America Caribbean hockey is that strong. Um, so maybe they won that regional and then they had to play like a playoff against like japan or something like yeah. that and they won thanks to belafonte yeah so i guess tbd but we're saying maybe not just because they had belafonte but like he wasn't he wasn't a negative on trinidad and tobago he would just you know wasn't you know a tactician and really like won them games it was really belafonte so i guess i guess we're going with property properly rated with a caveat being we could bump him up depending on, you know, if we, if, and when we see Trinidad and Tobago again. There you go. Those are your five nominees. Now here's what you need to do. Go to the quackatech.com. Go to this episode, vote for your favorite. The winner will come on the show, pass the torch next year by answering a quick question with one of us also receive some just prestigious honors that uh, the internet really recognizes. So go there, vote. You can vote once per hour. So if you really wanted to um, game the system, you definitely could. Not that we recommend any sort of bribery or gaming the system in any way, but we don't necessarily discourage it. So may the best person or the person that knows how to cheat the best win. And with that, we close another year of the Quackatech. Who knew? Who knew it would be going on this long? This is uh, seven years now that we've been doing this. And as I've said, it's been fun the whole time. And I really appreciate you guys who have made it fun and who have uh, actually given us money to help us grow the pod. Our producers, our executive producers, Elsie Barnett, the OG, was one of the first people to donate. Uh, Brian Berg, Berg 19 in the, in the Quiet Question of the Year race. Alex Yabara, Josh Licht, who made our intro music. Bobby LaMare, the aforementioned Aaron LaMare. Rabbi Alex Rothenberg, he's been on the show. Aaron Davis, a former Quiet Question of the Year nominee. Ed Semia, Alex Vlahos, Joyce Ng, our OG Quiet Light, probably the first fan we ever had or first person who really understood our jokes uh matt holtwick and nurul azam our producers deborah chin jeremiah bershey defending trivia contest champion we'll see if he can defend it in 2022 that is coming folks adam fair jared beasley obviously sandwich enthusiast lisa wobig anthony geoffrey jeff fanta stevie yanks the one and only jd youngblood chris garland sarah michalopoulos dave ding Wayne Perkins and Matt Hoover. Thank you to all of you who have been mentioned, who have not been mentioned, who've listened, who's shared the pod. We love you and have a happy holidays. And remember, ducks fun together.